Welcome to the Everyday Advocate Podcast, where we sit down and talk about empowered leadership and healthy relationships as we work in the field of human trafficking and how you can grow as a mentor and leader wherever you are today. This episode talks about human trafficking and shares details that are for mature audiences. Please be advised. Well, welcome back. This is Audrey Hood, and I'm here with Jessica Evans. Good morning. And we are actually just wrapping up series we are daring to lead we are talking about leadership and the all the different things that come in that first episode we talked about vulnerability and leadership and then we talked uh two weeks ago about building trust within your teams and then last week you heard from amanda and we talked about healthy conflict or what Brene brown calls rumbling and doing that well and today we were just so excited to talk with a good friend aaron thomas who is a serial entrepreneur he holds multiple leadership positions we'll let him kind of get into that but the theme that we really were talking with him about today was taking risks and failing well really so i'm really excited for for you all to like jump in and hear this conversation it was really mm-hmm. encouraging to both of us wouldn't you agree i know it was encouraging even though it was topics that are a little bit tricky or difficult yeah. you know talking about yeah. failure and how do you wade through that and but it was you know we were just kind of talking before about how you know this series has been a little bit deeper and a little bit mm-hmm. harder to wade through because it's I mean, there's a lot of personal things. You're, so applicable to yeah, what we're doing every single yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, but really rich, good mm-hmm. conversations, lots of good nuggets of wisdom yeah. that have come out of all of these conversations, including mm-hmm. today's. I love Aaron's posture that he, you know, he's not afraid of taking risk, yeah. not afraid of failing, not afraid of, not afraid of, you know, saying I've learned from this yeah. mistake. And that is a mark I think of a, of a good leader. Yeah. That's like, so what I was going to like pull out too, mm-hmm. I feel like his humility and his leadership and he talks about this. And so I'm so excited for everyone to be able to just hear kind of some practical ways mm-hmm. to do that well and leading mm-hmm. their team. So good. I was so encouraged and I feel like I have so much to sit here and like process myself. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah. So let's jump right in. Well, here we are with Aaron Thomas, our special guest for today. We are wrapping up our series on leadership, and we realized this morning that you're our first male guest on the podcast. (laughs) So pressure's on. No, we actually, we've had a wide variety of folks on here, and so we're really excited to, to continue to diversify the folks that we invite on our podcast and very excited to have this conversation with you on leadership. Me too. Excited to be here. Yeah. I'm a fan of allies. Well, wow. it's an honor. Thanks. It's an honor for us Appreciate. to be here. We, so we're going to be talking about how to fail well, how to take risks mm-hmm. in leadership. And so we're going to kind of go serious pretty quick. So before <laughs> we get there, we always want to start on a positive note and get to know the guests that we bring mm-hmm. on the podcast. So we're going to do that utilizing the question, what has been encouraging you lately? want to just get to know you a little bit and hear what's going well. What's encouraging yeah. you? This morning... I- I had an amazing cup of coffee. That was an encouragement <laughs> to me. And I had quiet. I was up really early before my kids got up. So if I can start the day with That's a peace gift. and quiet uh-huh. and coffee, good cup it of is coffee. A, it's a start to a good day. Yeah. But 
more, I think more intentionally, I love getting away with my wife. I love nature. Don't really like hiking that much, but we end up always hiking because it's a great way to get away from yeah. the, you know, the buzz, the noise, yeah. technology, mm-hmm. distraction, all of that. And we usually go on two or three getaways a year for like four days, yeah. no kids, mm-hmm. and uh, grandparents take over. We take off and we go somewhere off the grid. And we are, our next one's coming up in three weeks. Wow. I can't That's wait. so soon. Yeah. yeah. What an encouragement to like have something to look forward to. Yes. Also, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Can we ask where you're going? Where are you heading? Going to Alabama. Alabama. And I've never been to Alabama. Yeah. So I hope it's great. The <laughs> yeah. pictures look beautiful. Yeah. Airbnb. We always do that. We just try to find a, a new spot each time. We like yeah, to explore new so places. Cool, yeah. and Makes me feel very uncultured, but I like, other than driving from Indiana to Florida, I feel like I haven't spent time in Alabama. So I've... For some reason, I just feel like it's flat, but maybe I guess not. I I don't know what the landscape of Alabama is, I'll but I feel like I should report. know. Yeah, <laughs> like three weeks. I'll shoot you an email, let you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Trevor and I got away recently, and we went actually to these places called mm-hmm. Getaway Cabins. Yeah, where have you heard of these? No. This is not a paid ad, <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> but Getaway. If you would really like will. to pay us for yeah. plugging you, I will for a readily do it. Um, they're these fun little. It was a like a camp ground but they're fun little I don't know camper tiny home things and just you know big enough for the two of us and had our little you know campsite and did some hiking and stuff and they have them all over apparently I had not heard of them but we went to Brown County so it's really fun so if you're looking for a fun new place check out these yeah. getaway cabins mm-hmm. is it like glamping have you heard of glamping? Kind of, it, okay. yeah, it yeah. seemed like the mm-hmm. pictures seemed like glamping okay. but what's crazy is when Jessica came back yeah. from this trip she was <laughs> telling about it telling us about it in the office and I kid you not like Seconds later, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. When the next time I opened my phone, I had an ad for Getaway. Yeah, it was listening. crazy. I was like, they're listening. So, yeah. careful where you put your technology. But on that one, we got our wiretaps <laughs> yeah. in our pocket. On that one, click on it. It's worth it. Yeah, Some it of is, them yeah. are not. Yeah, I was like, okay, now it, but now it does keep popping up, so I'm just like waiting for an opportunity to get away. Yeah. There it is. Well, so put, us down, put us down as a reference and they'll give us like a, a discount next yeah, time hopefully. we go. How long did you go for? Just two nights. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to get away with yeah. the kids but it was definitely worth it and I I was saying too that so my kids are little they're four and two and this was the first time that we've gotten away that it felt like before kids because mm. I think it, up until mm. now whenever we get away it's just been still a lot of stress and I can't like really truly rest but this time it really did and it was fun I was like oh yeah this is why yeah. we love each other yeah. this is really good yeah. <laughs> so okay yeah. random okay. thought on this getaway stuff uh-huh. that relates to leadership we tried something two years ago we went for two straight weeks of vacation instead of just one Whoa. and it was incredible Wow. I highly recommend it. Our kids were with us. Okay. Yeah. But that second week it took it takes me like a week to turn off yeah. Yeah. that second week mm-hmm. you you start to have like vision for something or ideas or just a, a state of rest that I've never really quite experienced yeah. before. So that's so cool. I think that there are studies that are out there that say like mm-hmm. it takes like your brain like seven days to like enter into yeah. that rest or something. So mm-hmm. like I think probably in most places other than the United States, it's like encouraged to go yeah. like longer vacations. So that's really cool. Yeah. It feels also like as a leader, it feels really hard to step away for two full yeah. weeks. It yeah. feels like mm-hmm. I can feel my palms starting to sweat thinking about <laughs> yeah. doing that, but it's a good practice. Come That's back cool. a better person. Yeah, I got the idea cool. from being in Paris. I was mm-hmm. talking to someone in Paris. They're like, yeah, we take the entire week of 
or month of July off, like the whole the city, whole country. I, it's like a, a hot, like a <laughs> forced holiday almost wow. kind of a oh thing. I, it's a cultural institution. That's I'm cool. Like, wow. See it everywhere, probably, but you know, yeah, States. Americans, we need to learn how to rest. We better. do, we do, yeah. Well, it's really fun to have you in the office. I heard your name around the office. Before we got on the podcast, I was kind of telling you this a little bit, but I've mm-hmm. heard your name a lot around the office. Jessica has nothing but high praise for you. And so, but I'd never met you prior to you walking into the building. So I'm excited to finally get to sit down and have a conversation with you. But for me and for everyone else, just tell us a little bit about you. Who are you? Who is Aaron Thomas? And what's your journey in leadership been like? And where are you leading now? Hmm. That's tough to summarize. Was, you know, thinking about this, this, maybe this is random, but there's a singer, his name is Ben Rector, mm-hmm. and he has I a song called The Men That Drive Me Places. Okay. And there's a line in that song that I resonate with from a leadership perspective and like my leadership journey. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to sing it, but I will read the quote. <laughs> oh, I was hoping. I was no, waiting. Yeah, let's sing. Come on. Uh, if my wife is <laughs> here, she could sing it for you, but not me. The line goes, maybe you're dealt a good hand and play it the best that you can. But I don't know how far you walk without those cards. So my leadership journey mm. in essence is I've been dealt a really good hand. Mm. Like I have, my mom was born and raised in apartheid South Africa. And so I grew up on these stories from that and what her experience was. My grandpa was a hero of mine. They were missionaries there. His boldness and risk-taking nature really rubbed off on me. Mm. Uh, hearing these stories of an amazing man, an amazing leader that just you know, it just forms you in ways when you're a kid. And I grew up in a really loving and supportive home. My two mm-hmm. parents that loved each other and loved me and my brothers. I played sports all my life. I learned a lot of that or a lot of lessons from that experience. Mm-hmm. And then I met Carrie, my wife, 26 years ago, I think. And we've been married for 20. And she's taught me a lot about communication and empathy mm-hmm. and seeing the best in people. Like these are things that don't come necessarily naturally to me. And so I just like take all these bits and pieces from people who have been, you know, crossed my path or been a part of my life for a long time. And that's really helped form my leadership journey. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, practically speaking, like bio, mm-hmm. I'm kind of a leadership mutt. I've had all these different, <laughs> like mixed breed, have all these different <laughs> like term, experiences. Over the last 20 years, I've led in a variety of organizations and places. Mm-hmm. I was like Jessica, a public school teacher. I was a high school English teacher and a baseball coach for three years here in the Indianapolis area. Then I became a youth pastor at a church plant in Arizona. And that was, I was reluctantly pursued. And they called me and I'm like, I, I'm not a pastor. I, I have salty language and I chew tobacco at the time. I'm like, you don't want me leading youth. But they saw through that and... I ended up doing that for four years. We were in Arizona, and then we were in Colorado doing that. After that, my wife and I were both recruited to start a church in the Washington, D.C. area. We'd never lived on the East Coast. We didn't know anybody there. We did. We left and did that in, I think, 2011 is when we moved there. And that was in Silver Spring, Maryland. So it was a suburb of, of Washington, D.C. And then we handed that over to other leaders about a year, about 15 months ago and moved to the Indianapolis area, which is where we're both originally from. And we we started a nonprofit a couple of years ago. I work for a, another nonprofit with Middle Eastern refugees in Europe. I coach for a missional church planting network 
and then I coach and consult for organizations and businesses. So I'm like all over the place, like lots of pots boiling at the same time. Yeah, like I'm over here thinking like I can't count on my hands the number of things that you've got your hands in right now. So that's really cool. Thanks for kind of giving us a spread of your journey to where you're at now and all the things that you're even actively doing right now. That's really cool. Again, I've heard a lot about you, but I didn't know, I don't think any of that. So it's cool to hear from your own perspective too, kind of what, what has led you and what has inspired you in, in your leadership journey. I think that's Mm -hmm. super cool. So here we are talking about taking risks in leadership. And Mm -hmm. as you were just, I love taking risks. Yeah. It sounds like it. It sounds like you're also kind of entrepreneurial, right? Do you like to start things and gather people? And so I have a fun idea for something that, but keep going. Oh, I don't want to interrupt. Okay. It's random (laughs) for for right now, this conversation. Yeah, sure. Okay. Go for it. You can interrupt. (laughs) So just on the topic of like risk taking and serial entrepreneur, I might touch on this later, but like you have these ideas pop in your head constantly. That's my, like, I have 10 ideas a day Uh and I'll talk, I can talk more about this later, but two days ago I had an idea for opening a combination of a coffee shop, beer garden, and a bakery. Okay. Because I live, in the area I live in, we don't have a great coffee shop, but there's no good beer and there's not a good bakery. And I'm like, look, we can hit the customers (laughs) in the morning with the coffee and the bakery and then beer in the afternoon and evening. Mm -hmm. And then they can come there for dessert and beer after dinner. Yeah. Such a great idea. Or maybe we throw some talk and it's going to be called, it's all like bakery, beans, and brewery. So like B cubed could be the name of it. So these are the things. Just always thinking of things. Probably not a good idea. Yeah. If you want a sandwich shop thrown in there, her husband wants to start a sandwich (laughs) shop. My husband has a dream of starting a sandwich shop. He is a sandwich guy, which I didn't know was like a thing. Like he... You know, there you have certain foods that you're drawn towards. Like he is, a, like he loves sandwiches. He'll just everywhere. I'm like, I don't even understand. I need his but he knows the techniques of like what makes a sandwich. He's good. got a menu. He's going. got. He yeah. He has created a menu for the sandwich shop that one day. Maybe he'll open. I think he wants to. Maybe it's like ten years. We just mm-hmm. got a puppy, so now that dream is like <laughs> way, down, way down the line. So, but yeah, so I can connect you guys. Um, I need a sandwich yeah. shop recommendations for okay, this well, area. Okay, well he's got recommendations. Because yeah. I'm pretty new to the area. It's changed. Yeah, like yeah. twenty years ago. I was gonna say yeah, a lot has changed in Indianapolis. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Also, I love coffee and bakery goods, and I'm not a big beer drinker, but my husband is. So we're we're there at this All at right. this place at this spot that you got B cubed. Be cute. Be cute. There it is. How that. about that for a rabbit trail? It's cute. Yeah, that's like a good it. one. <laughs> I like it. And one day when this place is open, we'll pull this back out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have our first. Like it was, was a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Or else someone is going to listen and run with it, and then yeah. we'll see it pop up. Yeah. Copyright it now. Yeah, I should. It's intellectual property. That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So as you have all the, all these ideas pop into your head and you're starting different initiatives mm-hmm. and you've got your hands on a lot of different things, I imagine there have been times where taking that risk has seemed fearful or it has seemed mm-hmm. like you're a little unsure. Maybe you've taken the risk and it hasn't worked out. Can you kind of speak to what you've learned about being risk, how, being willing to risk failing? So have you learned from times where you have failed that it's been worth it? And so then it makes you kind of want to keep going. What it, what does that risk and leadership kind of looked like for you? You know, what's interesting is I grew up, my, my dad is a project, a retired project manager. So he is risk averse. He doesn't mm, want anything to do yeah. with it. And my mom's not 
she's not real risk-taking nature either. So this take this has taken me a long time to realize like how God made me in this way. Like I'm I'm prone to pursuing risk, and sometimes I can be a an issue because I'll just do it for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. And but really, it's it's it needs to be a strategic risk. It needs to be something you really feel strongly about that you've thought a lot about. You shared it with other people, invited them into the journey. But when it comes to leading, like risk is absolutely necessary to lead. Mm. You cannot lead without taking risks. If you're not willing to risk, you won't be able to lead. Mm. It's just a fact. And I've seen leaders fail, including myself, in a number of ways when it comes to risk. And, and you know, the key is learning from it. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. like, if you want to lead, make an impact, make a difference in this world or in people's lives, risk is required. Practically, like some of the things I've learned about my failings or seeing other leaders fail. Like number one, risk isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. Mm -hmm. So many people take a leap and it could be a small leap that might feel big to them or could be a big one. And they take off at a sprint and they work themselves to the bone. They're Mm -hmm. motivated by a fear of failure Yeah. and then they burn out. Mm -hmm. And they don't fail because it was a bad idea, they fail because they -hmm. thought they were running a sprint and not running a marathon. I've made that mistake. And I've learned like, whoa, no, I have to take care of myself. And I have to really like slow down, look around, take things in, course correct, you know, when I I have to. So if you decide to take a risk, take it slow and steady, enjoy the ride. And then you'll have the also to have the ability to, and the awareness to make little course corrections. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing that came to mind is that risk is communal. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot go alone. Mm -hmm. And that is... I am fiercely independent and it can be a big problem. Mm -hmm. And I have learned over time that the lone wolf mentality of like, this is my baby or this is my, my idea. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe that. So risk being communal is like whatever idea or calling or vision that I have that I've been stewing on, whether it's, you know, CB cubes, this lame (laughs) coffee shop bakery idea or something, you know, whatever it may be. It's a diamond in the rough. Mm. It's It needs polishing. It needs people speaking into it. It needs people yeah. chipping away at it, yeah. picking at it. And when you invite people into helping you form it, it feels safer because it is safer. Yeah. It's wiser. It's more strategic to do it that way. And then you also have the blessing of not going alone, right. which mm-hmm. is leadership is really lonely. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, if mm-hmm. you're not, if, if you can make it lonely. And so if you've got teammates and fans and encouragers that you have invited into the journey, yeah. it makes the journey enjoyable in the good moments. And in, but in the tough moments, it makes it tolerable because you've got people mm-hmm. propping you up. That ties back to the conversation we just had last week. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about how vulnerable it is to admit as a leader that you don't have all the answers and that you need people mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. You need people with other strengths, gifts, skill sets. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, it's a, a mark of a mature leader mm-hmm. when they can say, I don't have all the answers. I can't do this on my own. Yeah. And so that I think you have to have that vulnerability in order to be a really good leader and be able to take those risks, yeah. you know, having that community around you. I think, and we, we said this too last week, if a, a leader is willing to say, I actually don't know the answer to this or, you know, I'm not the best at all of the things. It makes you trust them even more. It's all, it's all connected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you were talking to, I was, I was curious and that's specifically in that second bullet point, talking about building a team and being communal, what like have you found in your 
serial entrepreneurial mindset and the things that you have started, like what are some key, I don't know, ideas or personality traits that you're looking for when you're thinking about oh, the people yeah. that you want to surround yourself with? Like how yeah. as a leader, you're like, okay, I know I'm like, you hear this idea of like, okay, I, I don't want to lone wolf it. I've heard that that's yeah. like gonna end poorly because I'm going to burn out, cause, yeah. you know, can't share the load but I don't know who to invite in. Like what are some ways that you handpick the right people? Yeah, that is such a good question. I look for people who are really diverse mm. and different from me and from each other. So if I can get a team of four to six people, so anybody who's starting a business, I tell them you have to have an advisory board. Mm. They don't have to have power, but they need, you need advisors and the more diverse they are, men, women, people of color, different experiences, different backgrounds, the more diverse it is, the better advice you're going to get, the better yeah. discernment and wisdom. The harder it's probably going to be also. Oh, yeah. Because right? it's annoying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. I don't yeah. want anybody to just, like, get yes. in my way and, like, yeah. get out of my way. I got Because it this. does slow you down. I think that mentality of, like, mm-hmm. bringing people in does feel like it slows you down. Yeah. Because you're allowing different opinions to surface, which is good as a leader to cultivate a space where you can allow different opinions Mm. to surface, but also it is going to slow you down because Mm -hmm. it may rub up against an idea Mm -hmm. you thought was great. Mm -hmm. And you come out, come to find out that it's maybe unintentionally marginalizing a community or it's Mm -hmm. not going to work in that neighborhood Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Like you might come up against a rub and so it's going to slow you down and And make you you better. It's not making you better. I remember early in the early days of a purchased allies, our board, wonderful humans loved them but they were pretty much like whatever i brought to them they're like yeah yes just like we trust you go mm. like and i remember being like i just thank you for trusting me but also you've also said like please challenge me <laughs> please evaluate me as a leader i want i yeah. want you to challenge me so it also mm-hmm. can help make you a better leader not only yeah. you know yeah. what you're yeah. doing better yeah yeah, yeah. That's good. And, i mean that carrie my wife and co-pastor, co-starter. She's been with me on most of these leadership adventures and we are very different. And learning how to submit to her wisdom mm-hmm. and her perspective has, oh my gosh, it's not only saved me so many times, it's saved other people from being mm-hmm. hurt, like you were saying, Andre. And yeah. I mean, just a quick story that came to mind, not about Carrie, but about, although there's plenty of those. Years ago, I, so I'm a pacifist, and I wrote a sermon that I was going to deliver on Memorial Day weekend, and I was going to go after it. Like, <laughs> we're going to talk about peace and nonviolence, and I don't care how uncomfortable it makes you. And I submitted it to my best friend, who's a, an Army veteran, and his wife, and they were pastors on our staff, and they were equal. And I said, what do you guys think of this? And they were gentle, but like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> and I, it annoyed me, but yeah. I was like, okay, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm really, really glad I listened to them. Mm-hmm. It was, that's the kind of thing yeah. that saves people from getting hurt. It saves me from making a fool out of myself mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's good. And had yeah. you made a fool of yourself, you had some people that could kind of help you yeah. get back up and oh, try yeah. again. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. They loved me unconditionally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that kind of gets to where we were going next is like choosing how we respond to it. Okay, say mm. we take a risk, say we try something and we fail. I think we have sometimes the fear of failure can almost paralyze us to where we don't want to take the risk, mm-hmm. right? But failing is part of leadership. It's part of taking the risk. So how can we learn to embrace setbacks 
and get back up and try again? What helps us through that? and helps us mm. kind of take that step. I would really like to hear your answers to these <laughs> question, questions too. Because that's such you. a good question. Yeah. One of the realizations I've had over the years is that is to not tie my self-worth or inner peace to my risks, mm. my failures or successes. Like I don't tie my self-worth to any of that stuff. That's so good. So you have to develop these like emotional and spiritual muscles to separate your identity from all of that stuff. Yeah. And mm. the more I work, I've discovered the more I work those muscles out, the more risks I'm willing to take yeah. because I haven't tied my worth or my identity to it. Mm -hmm. But I also am work, like working those out. I get wiser and I get more discerning about the risk choices I make. Yeah. And then if I succeed because I have not tied my self-worth to those decisions, my ego and my pride are, che are kept in check, mm -hmm. which is an issue for me. Like I'm prone to arrogance. And so not tying my success or my identity to success is it's really good for me. So, and now I can look back at, you know, setbacks and mistakes or course corrections or successes a lot more objectively mm -hmm. uh, than I would have if I had tied my worth to those things. Man, that has been a piece of my maturing as a leader too. As you were just talking, one, one specific picture came to mind of early on again in and our journey, we would put on these five K's. And I remember the mm. second one that we did, it rained and like the, the sound system wasn't working. And I was overwhelmed <laughs> with like, are people going to like hate us? And I literally, I was the leader of this organization. I went over behind a tree and started crying. I like hit <laughs> because I was oh, taking it all personally. I was like, yeah. everyone's going to hate me. They're going to think that I'm like, that this isn't worth investing in. Like my team mm -hmm. is going to think that I'm like, Oh. And I would take it all on and I would mm -hmm. be a wreck yeah. or even after a board meeting that I thought didn't go well. Like I remember my board president or Melissa sometimes would call me like, are you okay? <laughs> they knew that I would take it all personally mm -hmm. and I have grown so much in that. And oh my goodness, how much more peace I have in my soul. But yeah, also it's freeing. It is freeing. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. To know that it's, I'm not, it's not connected to my worth or the way people necessarily view me. Yeah. That's, that's the Enneagram too and me coming out, mm -hmm. but being able to, to distance those yeah. or separate those is really key. Yeah, I'm glad you yeah. brought that up. It's so hard to learn that. You talking about crying before. I, I was many Sunday mornings where I'd preach where I would cry <laughs> before service because I was like, this sucks. This is not going to go well. Or, you know, it's all these doubts creep yeah. in because you tie that stuff to mm -hmm. your yeah. identity. Yeah. And that's a rough place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and thank goodness I had a team and hopefully you did too around me that came and sat down yeah. next to me beside the tree and they're like, listen, it's fine. Look, yeah. look at all the people, look what we're doing. Like it is fine. And they helped get me back up, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, but yeah, mm. it's hard. It's a hard lesson to learn. You almost have to kind of go through it and build up resilience Yeah. to it. Yeah. 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 It's good. You know, you talking about that story, you know, I was thinking about the story of when I was a youth pastor at this church in Arizona, I had a ton of freedom and too much freedom. Mm -hmm. And my successes were celebrated and my, my mistakes were covered up or ignored. Mm -hmm. And it was due to like, I either charisma or command, I don't know what it was, but the fact that I'm a man, 
Like mm-hmm. you can get, a lot, lay with, get away with more stuff as a man mm-hmm. in leadership in the mm-hmm. church, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's a problem that needs fixed. Yeah. But then I got offered this big role at this church in Colorado. At the time, it was the third fastest growing church in the U.S. And mm-hmm. I was going to oversee the entire student ministers department. And my ego loved that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I was all about that. And so I went and, and did that and discovered quickly. I went in arrogantly. Also discovered quickly that the uh, the church cult- culture there was really toxic. Mm-hmm. Toxic leadership, lots of staff turnover. I mean, years after I left, the, the lead pastor was put on a forced sabbatical mm-hmm. for bullying behavior. So it was just bad stuff. My team was toxic. Staff, it, it just went horrible. And it led to me resigning a year later. Mm-hmm. And my confidence was shattered because I tied my self-worth to my success in the previous ministry and no one had kept me in check no one spoke mm. into my leadership decisions and and then god humbled me mm. i feel like he's like i'm, I'm gonna break you wow. of this mm. arrogance mm. and it was a very painful lesson but needed yeah well i think when you were saying like no one kept you in check i mean i think that's a unfortunate reality for a lot of like positions of leadership i mean when we do like we build ourselves up or the teams build us up to to have one person to look to even like so sometimes it's not even the leader trying to like not be in check because sometimes it's just like even just like what you were saying is like everyone just was like yeah just sure just this is your thing like you just do it and kind of like pushes you to almost like be on a pedestal mm-hmm. and then so like you know you can become unchecked and I think just in leadership in general I feel like whether churches or nonprofits or, you know, for-profit businesses, I feel like that, that can be a problem. And so, but when you said nobody like kept me in check, it like does, I mean, I know we've already kind of touched on this, but like talking about like asking for help, like you weren't even in a position to say like somebody like help me probably like you probably didn't have any, like I needed it. Yeah. No one was challenging help. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Whether it was built in you before, you know, you had the job where it, like the culture created it, like you didn't know that you need to ask mm-hmm. for it, but also, so therefore you didn't ask for it, but asking for it's not like a sign of weak, a weakness, right? No, not at all. Brene Brown says asking for help is a key part of rising yeah. strong and rising strong is about getting to the heart, the most painful and uncomfortable moments we've ever experienced about getting honest about the way in which we, they, the people around us have made us feel or the experiences made us feel and being bold enough to hold ourselves accountable. Mm. So holding ourselves accountable, which is hard too, as a leader, you have to have that integrity, then grow from the past as we move into the future. So how have you seen this to be true in your life to embrace Mm. asking for help, holding yourself accountable. And then like, again, we mentioned before creating that team to hold you accountable. I love Brene Brown. We do too. (laughs) She rocks. I think we've mentioned her in every episode. Mm. (laughs) She knows what she's talking about. She does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's emphatically true what she said. Like, one of the hills that I would die on as a leader is the strategy of communal leadership. Mm. Asking others to help me, go with me on the journey, speak into every decision, mm. and in many cases, submit to their will. Mm-hmm. That's something that, like, corporate, business, CEO-type stuff, like hierarchical leadership, that's not taught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To submit to other people's will they're taught, everything's taught like, no, they submit to yours. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the most dangerous habits. Yeah. And yeah. that kind of stuff has leaked into, and you know, I spent quite a bit of time in church leadership and in nonprofit leadership. That kind of stuff has leaked into the church mm-hmm. and it does horrible damage to mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are marginalized and mistreated. It just, 
there's just this organic domino effect mm-hmm. when you don't invite people to speak into your leadership decisions mm-hmm. and, and even submit to them. And I think it's the silver, silver bullet mm-hmm. of leadership success, mm-hmm. yeah. asking for help. But I would even like stay, take it a step further and say help equals empowerment. Like if you're asking mm-hmm. for someone for help, you're giving them power over yeah. you. Yeah. Like you have to be willing to do that. And like one of the blessings of, of starting like my current nonprofit that I work for, Steve's and Water Collective, is that Carrie and I have an additional partner. When we started our church, it was just me and her, and it was super lonely and, and tough. But this time we have my buddy Kevin. He's a business dude, HR background, really strategic. He's super gifted in areas that I'm not. Mm-hmm. And he's a volunteer. Yeah. Mm. And he's on the board, and he's just been a cheerleader, a, a critic a coach and in lots of different ways. And he has equal power Mm. in the organization's vision and direction. And it's just been a game changer for me. Yeah. I love that cheerleader, critic and coach. I feel like that's like three (laughs) very separate ideas, right? Because if you think about each one of those individually, they're, they're offering something very different, but Mm -hmm. to find a partner or, you know, somebody in the work with you to be able to offer you those. And if it's not one person finding all three of those, even I feel like that could be unpacked even more Mm -hmm. too. And we probably don't have time to unpack all that, but (laughs) we all need someone to like cheer us on that helps our esteem, keeps us going, but we also need people to challenge us and then also coach us along the way. So Mm -hmm. I really like those three words that you pulled out there. Mm -hmm. So, I love how all of these things are so interconnected because we spent a lot of time last week talking about building a team, mm. what it takes to build mm-hmm. trust on your team and how important that is. It's all, it's all connected. Oh. And I, I'm kind of jumping back a little bit. I'm still kind of thinking about that story that you were sharing about moving to the church and kind of, you know spending a year there and just being humbled and oh, kind yeah. of course correcting you. Yeah. We talked a couple of weeks ago about conflict. And one thing that I can't, I can't shake, I keep thinking through and it has popped up in a different, in different areas is that is data. So like even mm. you having that experience mm-hmm. where you felt like you learned a lot, it was because that it was a big conflict for you, right? An internal yeah. conflict, but mm-hmm. it was data. It was helped you move forward. Yeah. And so the failures, sometimes we can see as a setback or we can see it as a loss, mm-hmm. but same as conflict, it's data. It helps us know, okay, it helps us see our blind spots, helps us see what we did wrong or where we need to grow and helps us move forward in a better way. And yeah. I, I just, I like the reframing of that mm-hmm. as a way to learn and grow instead of a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, sometimes it takes so long for that data to like register. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. Like I thought about that was in 2010, that story where, you know, I resigned and I was forced to resign and it took me years mm. to really look back on that objectively and in a healthy way mm-hmm. and, and learn that lesson. Mm-hmm. And I think so many times in our quick fix culture, we, we expect to be able to look immediately and like, mm-hmm. okay, what happened? Yeah. What, what's going on? Yes. And, and try to figure out. And we just lose patience in the, yeah. in the maturing journey mm-hmm. of leadership. Mm-hmm. And you just got to keep leaning into the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, okay, what, what happened there? Why is that still, why does that still hurt? Yeah. And why does it still trigger me? 
and figuring that out. That's a good word too for us when we're thinking about other people. Like, hey, they went through this thing. Why haven't they learned their lesson wow, yet? Wow, yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Hearing you say it took you 10 plus years really to learn that lesson. Like, yeah. we have to have so much grace with other so people much, too because yeah. it's not a quick registering of the data and making things better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as we're empowering other people to lead around us and as we're coaching and cheerleading and all of that, knowing that this is a, it's a long journey just because you mess up and fail once and you mm-hmm. took the risk and failed doesn't mean you're going to do it perfect next time yeah. or that you've learned your lesson. Mm. Mm. So thinking about that too and connecting it with other people, how have you helped lead other people and make a safe space for them to take risks? Or have you, what does it take to create a space either that you've led or that you've been in mm-hmm. where people feel that safety? <clears throat> and maybe part of it is the community we've already talked about. But are there other yeah. things? You know, the word curiosity comes to mind. I think most people are, I shouldn't say most, many people I encounter are not good listeners. Mm-hmm. They are simply waiting for someone to stop talking so that they can interject with their opinion. And it does people and yourself as a leader a lot of good to just be curious about someone's story mm-hmm. and to keep asking them questions and mine for the information. And you get to, if you're lucky enough, they'll, they'll invite you into their wounds mm-hmm. and, and their pain and their story. And it's an honor to go there with them. And then you start to understand what, how, how they've been made and how they've been formed mm-hmm. over the years. And that I think, I'm not sure if that directly relates to the question, but it, it's just the word that came to mind when mm-hmm. you asked it. Mm-hmm. Kind of a story. Oh, go ahead, Andre. Oh, no, something? I was just going to say, I, I mean, I do think it, I think it relates because if you're creating a culture in which you're leading by being curious and like creating that, that space for others to ask questions, to kind of get more data, get more information before <clears> making <throat> decisions or taking those risks, I do think it, I mean, it does, it does relate because I, I know that even from my own personal experience, I've been given the opportunity to take risk after risk after risk with allies. But I do feel like there's a lot because I've also been given the freedom to be curious about like what allies could become and like where, like where could we take this if like there was no cap, if there was no limits or boundaries around what it could be. And, you know, Jessica as a leader has allowed me the space to, to be curious about that and then risk it all. (laughs) I put a lot on the line to, to try things out and then be a safe space to land if it fails, when it fails or when we need to course correct. I do think it, and all those things have happened. Yeah. Things have gone well. Things have flopped. Things have There's been a lot shifted. of flops. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like. But we've learned every time. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the story that of how curiosity led to just kind of an amazing leadership experience. So when we were when we lived in Silver Spring and you know our church was rolling a few years in, we we had this idea that we should open a space in the middle of the city that looked like a living room hmm. and was just a big living room. And it's a place where people could gather. We could host events, co-working. And over a period of time, we, we did open it and it was awesome. And we put it on Yelp. So maybe six months into this journey, we had you know have people renting it out multiple times a month on Yelp for events. And one woman contacted me and said she wanted to host, I think she said it was a Bible study. So I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be like five people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, naturally we have a camera, you know, security cameras in the, in the place. And she rented it and I peeked in 
and they had like 80 people in like this full-fledged like spanish-speaking worship service and i'm like what is going on this is amazing yeah and so i emailed her i'm like i want to buy you lunch i want to hear your story i want to know Mm -hmm. what's you know i'd love to just see what you're up to i'm just amazed by your leadership and she was real hesitant at first and but eventually we met for lunch and her name was lanise got to hear her story and then at that curiosity of me just poking and asking questions like let me buy you lunch Mm -hmm. Let's do this and let's do, like, what do you need? How can we support it? She ended up becoming one of our lead pastors. Oh, my goodness. So over time, wow. like, you know, she was our gateway into this massive, like, Silver Springs is the fourth most diverse city in the U.S. It's more wow. diverse than New York City. Wow. And so she was our, our leader, our gateway into mm-hmm. a network, a community that wow. me, a gringo, I'd never have access yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I'd never have that trust. Yeah. I ended up doing, like, a, Spanish, a Spanish-speaking wedding ceremony. In which I spoke in Spanish. I had to read wow. from my notes. Yeah. That's so amazing. just the access that we gained yeah. to a whole network of, of beautiful, wonderful people was because of curiosity and because then it question. led to empowerment. Mm-hmm. And she's still doing her thing. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Wow. I love that. This is so good. If we were if we were more curious about people, I think of the connections that we could make oh, and man. the ways yeah. that we could have built some synergy that we don't because we're so siloed. I mean, that makes me think about probably missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we kind of led with curiosity, there could be a lot more connections, energy, yeah. and, and yeah. a lot of work that we do. Mm-hmm. Mm. I want to ask one final question. We've talked a lot about leadership in kind of the vocational space, church space. Yeah. You know, what are other roles? Like you're a father, you're a husband, you're, you know, there yeah. are other roles that you have in your life, your friend. What has, what does taking risks look like? in the different roles that you have Hmm. or leading in that way or creating a safe space for taking risk. You know, Carrie and I have lived in, I've lost count. I think we're living in our 18th house in 20 years of marriage. We have moved our family all over the country. Some of those moves and those decisions were not good, not wise. (laughs) I mean, the longest we've ever lived in one house is three years. Mm And we just moved our family across country again. Mm-hmm. And you do that and it's, you, you start to question your, your judgment and your discernment. Like mm-hmm. you see that the social challenges that come with constant change mm-hmm. and I'm a change junkie, but even I have my limits. And then I see, you know, the kind of effects it takes on, on my family. But one thing like we, we've gotten much better at in the last 10 years or so since our, you know, our boys are 15, 13 and 12. Mm. So something we've gotten much better at is inviting other people's voices into our family decisions. Mm. And again, this is a struggle for me because I'm so fiercely independent and I crave control. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. But if I have an idea or Carrie has an idea, sometimes it's us kind of hammering it out amongst me and her, like what, you know, what's the best decision here? But then other times it's inviting our close friends or, or someone who's further ahead in the journey mm-hmm. than we are yeah. in, the, in the parenting journey and asking for their opinion or their feedback. And that, that has been such a blessing to us, you know, whether it's how to have a better marriage or how to be a better parent. I'm not, I don't read parenting books or marriage <laughs> books. It's just not my thing. But I do love seeing other people who I think wow, I love the way, like the DNA of your family, there's something Mm -hmm. there. And I, 
just pepper them with questions like mm-hmm. what, what are you doing mm-hmm. i want to know what you're what is your daily habit again. yeah it's a curiosity yeah. like what do you mm-hmm. and yeah that's just really like asking people who are further ahead on the journey of marriage mm-hmm. friendship parenting you know that kind of thing it's mm-hmm. really paid off for us mm-hmm. and really served us in, in wonderful ways i love that the thread and the theme that we've had through that throughout this conversation at least what's been highlighted to me is really community mm-hmm. it's the people we're yeah. surrounding ourselves yeah. with that's how we become a better leader yeah that's how we feel safe taking risks that's how we feel safe being being vulnerable mm-hmm. with each other it's how we build mm-hmm. trust it really is you know to community. your point earlier audrey like being choosy being mm-hmm. like making what it was the word I'm trying to say like, like intentional intentional decisions about yeah. who you're in community with yeah and that's going to shape who you are as a person and who you are as a leader I love that that's a thread mm-hmm. in our conversation mm-hmm. I feel like that's it also aligns with who we are as an organization and what our values are and so I think it will resonate you know not only with the people who are listening but internally as we're mm-hmm. trying to get better to get better at leading and get getting better at mm-hmm. you know building our community here I think that's significant yeah mm. So as we wrap up, we want to give you the opportunity to give a final thought. It can be related to this conversation. It can be unrelated. You can, you know, give a shout out or a, you know, promo for something that one of the many things that you're doing. Do you have a final thought to kind of wrap us up? I'm give you a platform for that. Yeah. One final thought on the nature of risk taking and leadership Mm -hmm. that just came to mind. So I read, I think... The author, the guy that said this is Richard Rohr, mm-hmm. and I think I got it from the book Falling Upward, which is an incredible book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody who's listening should read that book. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I've read it like seven or eight times. I think in this book he talked, I think it was him that talked about this. He talked about the the nature of risk is directly tied to our like emotional, spiritual, and relational maturity. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't risk, like if you stay in one spot mm-hmm. and in your comfort zone. It is that you're putting a ceiling on yourself as a human being mm. and it's, you're just going to be stuck and you won't see your blind spots. You won't notice that. But if you take a risk and you, you respond to this, whatever it is in your gut that you're like, I, I think I have an idea or I think there's something, mm-hmm. a problem I'm, I'm called to solve or I have this dream or maybe it's moving across the country or exploring a new, like do it yeah. mm. because it will pay off yeah. I mean it's I don't know if it's scientifically proven but I like Richard Rohr and he's one of those guys that's further ahead and yeah on the journey there. Yeah. and yeah. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that and that's been my experience mm-hmm. as far as the plug goes we you know Seeds and Water Collective is a nonprofit, but we have different spheres and you know operations that we do mm-hmm. or, or uh, movements that we make so one of the things we do is we coach organizations in the practice and the art of self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and communal leadership. And we love doing that. We work with businesses. We work with sole leaders. We work with nonprofits, churches. We kind of run the gamut on that. And our website, seedsandwaterco.org, seedsandwaterco.org. Everything, so Seeds and Water is we want to reach people who have been hurt or traumatized by organized religion, which is a, a growing yeah. tribe in our country. Yeah. And it's people who are still curious about faith, but they just don't feel welcome mm-hmm. or they, they feel singled out. And that's who we want to reach. That's who we want to connect with. And everything that we offer, this community is free. Mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of people out there that do conferences and stuff and they charge and I'm like I, we don't we just don't believe in in giving people more hoops to jump through mm-hmm. whether it's what they believe or finances and so for us it's we just really want to connect with that community we're on instagram facebook youtube at you know our website we have a you could subscribe to our blog most of the stuff we do is video my cell phone's on our website number so <laughs> if someone's listening and you know someone that's been hurt by religion and and they're really questioning or doubting mm-hmm. i know what that i know what they're I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going through, but I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear their story or connect yeah. with them. Yeah. We'll put so. your website in the show notes too, mm-hmm. so people can click on it Great. as they're listening yeah. and Absolutely. connect with you on that topic or anything else. It yeah. sounds like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a big Pacers fan. You want to talk Pacers? Yeah. Like, let's do that. Did you see that Will Ferrell was just at the Pacers game? My nice. son was at that game. Was he really? And saw him. That's and then also got a high five from Joel Embiid on the Sixers. Great. So he was. Oh, that was a dream, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I saw 50 Cent was there. Yeah. It was a hopping place. It was. Mm-hmm. I was so playing, and I missed out. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, we missed mm-hmm. out, too. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, thank okay. you for joining us today. I appreciate you taking time to have this conversation. It was, it was really good. Yeah, it was so good. I'm yeah. so encouraged. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Well, we are excited to get this out into the world, mm-hmm. and our hope really is that people will just kind of lean into what it means to be a better leader and continue to sharpen each other mm-hmm. and and continue to grow and we're we're all on the journey together yeah. so it's helpful for us to have these conversations too to get better so Absolutely. thank you well, thank you thank you for joining us for the everyday advocate podcast we hope you left inspired to make a difference in your community wherever you are today be sure to check out our show notes for any resources we mentioned today We release a new episode every Friday, so subscribe wherever you're listening from so you don't miss out. Feel free to give us a rating so we can help reach more people too. We'd also love to hear from you. You can email us at everydayadvocate at allies-inc.org, and you can follow us on Instagram at the underscore everyday underscore advocate. 